Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister says Canada is heading toward a one-dose summer. The first thing we need to do to make sure we're getting into a one-dose summer where people can be a little freer and have a little bit more normal summer with friends around the barbecue is case numbers need to be down right across the country. Ontario pauses the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine for first doses. This decision was made out of an abundance of caution due to an observed increase in the rare blood clotting condition known as vaccine-induced immune thrombotic thrombocytopenia linked to AstraZeneca vaccine. And Canada intervenes in the legal battle over the future of the Line 5 pipeline. We want a future where we, we are investing in a renewable economy, an economy where we are focused on renewable energies, clean energy. Uh, that is a future we want to build. And on the way to that future, there are certain projects that, that we still need, and this is one of them. It's Wednesday, May the 12th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Mark. So let's talk about the Prime Minister's comments about where we stand with vaccines. Uh, he said this is going to be a one-dose summer. Um, I, I had to kind of go back and look at, at the articles about that to fully understand what that meant. I gather he means that Canadians will all get their first dose this summer, and then uh, many people will get their second dose before the summer's over and, and others in the fall. But uh, the government is tr- clearly trying to uh, portray some optimism here as more vaccines arrive in the country. Do you think that the vaccination program is picking up momentum and that that message is getting through to Canadians? Uh, you know, anecdotally and according to the statistics, Mark, it does appear that the uh, vaccination effort is gaining momentum and that is starting to uh, really reach out um across the country into communities everywhere um you know here in nova scotia i'm hearing about it all the time neighbors friends or people on social media that i know across the country are uh, you know posting pictures of the their arms with the little tiny band-aid on it and um so yeah so it obviously is getting out there uh you know the challenge i think though mark is uh for someone like trudeau or say one of the provincial premiers is to sound a note of optimism, but don't sound so optimistic uh, to imply that, uh, you know, everything's fine now and we can just go back to party-hardy time. Um, Because this is, in fact, what the Prime Minister also said, along with this kind of uh, cryptic one-dose summer comment, was that this is not the time for the provinces to lift all the various restrictions and lockdowns and that uh, much better uh, conditions are going to have to be in place before those restrictions can be lifted. Yeah, and at the same time, of course, they're in Ontario and also in Alberta, they have suspended using the AstraZeneca vaccine for first doses. And this, of course, arises from the uh, the very rare cases of blood clots that have occurred with people who received the, the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, there, there has been a bit of a debate among public health circles in the past week or so about whether it's 
uh, a good idea to continue with the AstraZeneca vaccine, not so much for because of health outcomes, but because of the how it's how it's kind of muddying the waters around vaccination and causing some people to hesitate. So what do you think about that call to suspend the administering of first uh, vaccine doses from this particular manufacturer? Well, again, this is the kind of thing that uh, is I have to uh, bow certainly to the experts and uh, because I have zero qualification to do anything else. However, you know, there is some art as well as science in this whole uh, matter, Mark. You know, uh, public health people, uh, political leaders, premiers, prime ministers uh, are, are putting out a message that is modulated by what they're being told in the briefing. So the science suggests, well, you want to be careful, but the art side of it is uh, these public attitudes, which are, I think, coming around to the wisdom of max vaccination, but aren't 100% there yet. And, you know, where you have to get up to 75, 80% of the population vaccinated in order to achieve the wonderful goal of herd immunity, um, it is still, we're still not anywhere close to that yet. And you still have to have mass buy-in from people of all ages and all sort of cultural backgrounds and, and aid, uh, and socioeconomic backgrounds in order to, uh, get this fully done. So, you know, in the meantime, restrictions are continuing in many parts of the country, uh, top it out. And it's, you know, we're not there yet. Uh, but the art of, of communications on, on this matter is to give specific information, be about it, and uh, to uh, always repeat messages which are aimed at boosting confidence. Uh, so if it means taking uh, some of this AstraZeneca vaccine off the market, so to speak, for now, um, then so be it, and to go with the options which have the most public confidence, because confidence is what gets you to your goal. Yeah. All right, let's turn to the discussion around the wage subsidy that was given to businesses across the country as a way of protecting them and keeping the economy alive during this this massive disruption uh, that began just over a year ago. Um, the the opposition now are criticizing uh, the Liberals for rewarding, in their words, their rich Bay Street fr- friends, because there have been reports that uh, the wage subsidy was given to companies that otherwise would have made a profit even without it, that they weren't in, in dire trouble because of the pandemic. So um, what do you think? Was the were, were the criteria not tight enough? Was the, was the subsidy applied... Uh, too broadly, or was that what was necessary to get it out and to make sure that the economy uh, didn't crater? Well, all of the above, I think, Mark. Um, You know, our millions of listeners will remember this time last year when I boldly predicted that some of these subsidy programs would be exploited and gouged by uh, opportunistic business people. I mean, there's money floating around. Uh, Some of these... um, uh, gnomes that work in the finance departments of these various companies are going to see money floating around and are going to do everything they can to drag it into their accounts. And that is what has happened. Uh, you know, now, uh, you know, we are seeing where the pandemic is going. It is time for the federal government to uh, close loopholes, tighten things up, and to make sure that uh, 
the money is going where it's needed and not to stock buybacks for shareholders uh, or, uh, you know, plumping up and fluffing up the uh, bottom lines of some of these corporations. Uh, you know, it's hard to do, especially given the sort of emergency situation that existed this time last year. It's hard to write a fully buttoned down uh uh, economic stimulation or protection program uh, using federal money. These are the types of policy things that take usually years to develop and, and are, you know, game tested and all kinds of, of different uh, tests are put to them uh, to find these loopholes and leakages. Now, um, I don't know if anyone has been able to put a number on this, but uh, there's, there's you know, $110 billion floating around in this program. Um, there's going to be some abuse. And uh, I think now uh, some of those uh, folks that work for the federal government should be maybe redeployed into finding out those who abused it. Uh, because, you know, <clears throat> these things could happen in the future. And uh, it's best to know what works and what doesn't work when you're when you're trying to do uh, these types of massive national programs. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Line 5 pipeline. Uh, the showdown has has developed this week. Uh, where do we stand and where do you see it going? Well, you know, it's um, this is a worrisome matter. And, you know, Canada, it, it suggests yet again that, that Canada isn't really clear entirely where it wants to go with, uh, you know, petroleum and, and refined products, pipelines and all the rest. Um, if Michigan is going to shut down the Line 5 pipeline, that is going to disrupt life in eastern Canada. When I say east, I mean your part of eastern Canada more than mine. But it, it is going to cause disruption, and it does highlight, again, the vulnerability of um, of these pipeline systems. And I think for a lot of people, and I, I could certainly forgive my Alberta fellow citizens for saying, you know, if they'd let us build a pipeline through Quebec, this wouldn't be a problem. Uh, maybe it still would. I don't know for sure. But there there doesn't seem to be a backup plan. And Governor Whitmer in Michigan does seem pretty uh, determined, uh, you know, to to bring about the closure of this pipeline. Uh, I understand that they figure it's an uh, environmental risk. And uh, these risks are, you know, uh, sustainable up to a point, but not at, at any point. So, you know, this could be a really serious issue between Canada and the U.S. I see President Biden has said that he's not going to uh, get his nose in there. However, I think uh, this is a place where a presidential uh, nose should be inserted to find out what is going on, because this could become a really serious bilateral issue between Canada and the U.S., which we are just trying to patch up now after the wreckage left by the uh, madman that was in there before. So, you know... Uh, this is definitely a potential major irritant and also potentially a major disruption in the uh, economic situation uh, in, in the most important parts of the economy in Canada and in Ontario and Quebec. Yeah. So it's, it's a serious problem. And, and I, I, I see the feds are getting involved on a, in the legal side of it, uh, but I hope and I trust they probably are working on a full court diplomatic uh, case as well. All right, we'll see what happens. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights on all of this. I appreciate it. Okay, Mark. That's longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. An economy where we are focused on renewable energies, clean energy. Uh, that is a future we want to build. 
And on the way to that future, there are certain projects that, that we still need, and this is one of them. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Tasha Carradine argues killing Line 5 will only make people realize how much we need fossil fuels. Carradine writes, The reality is that there is no way to replace the energy source provided by Line 5 overnight, if ever. Environmentally friendlier alternatives are not currently available on the same kind of mass scale. And plunging businesses and millions of homeowners into energy poverty will do nothing to sway hearts and minds to the anti-pipeline cause. It could well do the opposite and open the eyes of central Canadians to the importance of fossil fuels. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues the Line 5 fight shows the age of oil isn't over. The Sun writes, If Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer had succeeded in shutting down Enbridge's Line 5 pipeline on Wednesday, half of the oil supplied to Ontario and Quebec would be choked off. Tens of thousands of direct and indirect jobs would be at immediate risk on both sides of the border. Gasoline prices would rise in Ontario and Quebec. The economies of Ontario, Quebec, Alberta and Saskatchewan would take hits. So much for the end of the age of oil. In the Montreal Gazette, Alison Haynes asks if we are ready to make divulging our health status a routine thing in our lives. Haynes writes, Things are moving quickly when it comes to the likely use of vaccine passports. Showing a document to board a plane is one thing, but having to scan a barcode to report to work, eat in a restaurant, or go to school is quite another. Are we ready for the requirement to demonstrate immunity being so widespread? Are we prepared to surrender our privacy so easily? We are all enthusiastic to return to normal, but there is much at stake. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Today, MPs in the House of Commons vote on a private member's bill, which has survived two parliaments, one election, one prorogation, and has also garnered all-party support. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on the initiative to encourage organ donation in Canada. Mark, Bill C-210 is the brainchild of Calgary Conservative MP Len Weber. He first proposed the bill years ago. In a nutshell, it takes on the important, actually life or death, issue of organ donations, which in Canada are much lower than many other industrial nations. The bill proposes to allow Canadians to register as an organ donor when they fill out their yearly tax forms. Technically, it would allow the Canada Revenue Agency to enter into agreements with provinces who are responsible for the organ donation system to share information that donors would then include on their tax forms. This would greatly uh, streamline and encourage organ donations because it would be an easy, simpler matter which has proven successful in other jurisdictions. Len Weber has stuck with this bill and has garnered support from all parties. Just a few weeks ago, it passed the Commons Health Committee unanimously without amendment. Weber had to reintroduce this bill after the 2019 election. Then it was reintroduced again after the Trudeau government prorogued Parliament last year. Now it will be up for a final vote this afternoon. For the sake of those needing or all those who potentially might need an organ donation in Canada, many people will be watching the vote this afternoon after question period. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will attend the Liberal Caucus meeting and question period. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend the Liberal Caucus meeting virtually. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference after the NDP Caucus meeting. Indigenous Services Minister Mark Miller will hold a news conference to provide an update on COVID-19. 
Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan will make a funding announcement for The Rooms. Fisheries Minister Bernadette Jordan will announce the winner of the ACOA Hull Design Efficiency Challenge. Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne will take part in a virtual Q&A session with members of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce. Immigration Minister Marco Mendocino will speak at an event hosted by the Canadian Club of Ottawa. The Senate Committee on Legal and Constitutional Affairs will hear from Justice Minister David Lametti and Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominic LeBlanc on certain provisions of the budget. And Small Business Minister Mary Ng will make a virtual announcement with the Can Health Network. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, May the 12th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.